Anyway, it's a pleasure to be here this evening, and it's all about safety this evening and educating and run, hide, and fight. This is something that I've been teaching for about five years, and uh, the purpose of it is to get something out of it that you never know one day. It's not to cause fear, but to allow you to be able to react in a safe way and be aware of your environment. It, it's meant this first video is a little bit rough. It doesn't have any profanity. All that's been taken out of it. But there is some violence to it. It is the actual Columbine shooting that happened April the 20th of 1999. And the recording that you hear that's been edited only to remove the profanity is the actual recording. The acting in it is a reenactment. And so it's meant to get your attention and to let you know how real life can be. Um, it's sad that we have to talk about things like this, or especially at a church. But this training is not only relevant for church. It's relevant for where you shop, where you work, anywhere you might be when something like this takes place. This training was developed by the state, the Alabama Department of Homeland Security. It came out in 2012. It's been taught to most of all of our educators and to a good bit of churches. This is, like I said, over four years, this is probably about the 30th church that I've did this demonstration to. So at this time, we're going to move to the video, and it's going to last about four or five minutes. Back in 1999, and since that time, law enforcement has changed its response to situations like this. When this happened, the SRO was at lunch, and he was eating a sandwich, and the patrol car out front. And back then, law enforcement nationally pretty much had a standard that when an event like this happened, they just held still until a unit such as a SWAT team or a special response team or a joint special operations group would assemble and then they would formulate a plan and then they would enter the building. Now, since these shootings have become much more prevalent today in the state of Alabama, Every law enforcement officer goes through alert training, which is active shooter training, basically. And we respond to shots fired. If, if, if you show up there as a law enforcement officer by yourself, you go straight to the shots. That's how we're trained, so we get there a lot quicker. Once the shooting started here at Columbine, it was 45 minutes before law enforcement entered the building. Now, I like to point out the good in everything as much as you can't see good in that. There was a young lady that was the first person killed. She was 17, and her name was Rachel Scott. And out of this happening in 1999, there's an organization called Rachel's Challenge. And Rachel, about 18 months prior to this happening, had gotten saved. And she had gotten for Christmas a journal from her mom and she had begun to journal every day a different scripture. She had went, she would meet with other students, and she would counsel them, and she would share with them. And she wrote an essay about compassion and love just like a week or two before this occurred. Um, she was the first person's life that was taken. She was met in the front lawn of the school while she was eating lunch, and it was the first person that was killed. Um, but her life didn't go without, and it brought a lot of attention, and, and it's still known as of today as Rachel's Challenge. Um, that being said, some of the first things we're going to talk about is just to define an active shooter, 
some historical events that have occurred to give you an idea of how long, even though we all know for quite a while that this has been going on, and what to do if an active shooter incident occurs. And it's not just at church, like I said. It could be while you're shopping. It could be where you work. Talking about why we're here today is to provide you with the options that you may use should you ever find yourself in one of these dangerous or threatening uh, situations and the fact that you've got to make a good split-second decision on what to do to save yourself and others. What is an active shooter? I could read all of that, but in essence, an active shooter is defined as someone that wants to kill as many people as they can in as short a period of time as they can accomplish that. Now, a lot of people have a variety of reasons why this has become such an epidemic, and it has. We'll see in a moment that when this was put out by the state, this course in 2012, I think it's 326 active shooters from 19, long time ago, to 2012. Well, since then, we've had, we've had another 70 or 80. And every two or three years, the record just seems to get bigger. You had the Colorado shootings. You had the Orlando nightclub. Leading up to what happened in Vegas here just less than a year ago was the largest. It keeps getting topped. It keeps getting outdone. Now, my opinion about it, and it's just my opinion, but a lot of this goes back to mental health. And a lot of the mental health goes back to drugs, but it's prescription drugs. It seems that people are more out to be twisted and do things that are not normal based on the medications that they are being prescribed. And we have a huge mental health issue in our country. And that's just something that, that I think we need to address. Active shooter myths. A lot of people think that the suspect will always display tendencies for violent acts. In other words, it'll just be, my wife gets on to me all the time because I walk through the mall and stereotype people, she says. But it's the people that less look like they might do something that may actually do something. So you can't just tell by looking at them. People think it won't happen here. The police will always respond in time. Uh, most people can do nothing against an armed intruder. And we'll talk about that. It's run, hide, and fight. And like a gentleman said in the back, he said he was too old to run, too big to hide, so he just wants to know about fighting because that's what he'll have to do. And that, that's probably the truth with me too. So uh, we'll get to that there toward the end. Uh, some of the historical events, you see some of these people here, you're going to see the guy that... Uh, did the uh, Sandy Hook shooting right here, uh, the Aurora, uh, Colorado Theater, the Virginia Tech shooter. This guy up here was a Marine that was on top of the uh, observation tower at the University of Texas way back when and sniped a lot of people before they determined where and who he was. A lot of people never heard of this lady right here, but back in the late 70s, she was in California, and she had just gotten upset because the school line was too long. So she went home, got her gun, come back, shot and killed a bunch of people. When they asked her why she did it, because the school line was too long. So it didn't really have a lot of rhyme or reason to it. So it's just, uh, it can happen anywhere at any time. And this tells you some of the facts we'll just skim through. When you talk about the Amish school shooting that took place, there were 10 victims shot, five killed. Uh, Columbine had 35 shot and 12 killed. Um, the Virginia Tech was 59 shot, 32 killed. Aurora Colorado Theater, 70 shot, 12 killed at the Batman premiere. Um, some of the other places that these took place, that lady I was telling you about earlier, I think is the one in San Yersuto, California. 
uh, some of the schools it's taking place at. We could read through all that, and as you see right here, there's 326 active shooting incidents between 1966 and when this literature was developed in 2012. Now, since then, there's been 70 or 80 more that hadn't been updated in this training. Uh, we want to train building documents on response options outlined by the Department of Homeland Security and active shooter, how to respond, and when an active shooter is in the vicinity. When our security and deterrence measures fail, then we must plan, practice, and execute very simple strategies to facilitate an intelligent escape or to barricade or hide ourselves when necessary, and when there's no other ultimate means, fight back. And when I think about that fighting back, I always think about when 9-11 happened, you had those planes that hit their targets, the two in the trade centers, the one at the Pentagon, and then you had that group that were able to overcome those people that were really heroes and caused that one plane to crash. By fighting back, even though they didn't have any weapons on that plane, they lost their life on that plane crash, but they saved a multitude of lives by, by fighting back and doing what they did. Run. Building occupants should evacuate the facility in a safe-to-do-so way. Evacuees should leave behind their belongings. You don't need your makeup, your makeup mirror, or anything like that. When it gets time to go, you just got to go. There's nothing worth your life. Um, hiding. And evacuating this facility is not possible. Building occupants should hide in a secure area. Now, these are some things that we come back at sometimes when asked to, and we teach more specifically, for instance, church security, about having safe rooms or seeing to it the children are in a location and where they could go from there and be able to get into a place that would be safest for them if we were to go on some type of softer, hard lockdown. Um, Here's some examples that are unrealistic, that are just made to make you think outside the box. I don't think we all have these chains or things accessible to us, but here's a way you could secure yourself if you were needing to hide. Um, here's another great idea. Um, now this is real right here. When there's not locks on doors and things like that and you're needing to barricade or hide yourself, you know, you can take everything that's in that room and start to shove it against the door. Same thing here, here's another example, another. Some things that you can think about is taking a belt or a rope, you can take your belt off if you've got these double hinge doors and, and just wrap them around the handle so that the doors won't open. That's something that we all usually have on us is a belt. Here's where you can use some leverage if you can't tighten, there's no lock, is get around the handle and be able to apply pressure to hold someone out. Here's those top doors with the closures up top like you got here where you can wrap your belt around it and pull it tightly to keep it from opening. Here's taking your sweater off or your shirt. Here's a door stop. And we'll talk a little later about a little go bag. I brought one with me. We've got about $25 in it, and it's just, that's all it's in it, the bag and all of its contents, and it could be very useful if you had a classroom or an office desk to put it in it or your trunk or, you know, you're not going to walk in the mall with it every day, but if it's at a place you're regularly at and you can get access to it, then it would be a good thing to have. Um, tie. Now, the window you'll notice in here has been covered. Even schools today, when they used to make the doors open outwardly because the fire codes and things 
or now those codes are starting to be altered where they open inwardly. And the reason why is so they can be with a doorstop or something secured in a class setting. These windows, newer construction schools have no windows and doors because, again, they're trying to cause as much damage as they can in quick a time as they can. So if you get quiet and this kind of thing happens wherever you're at and you're able to get in a closed room or if you're in a classroom full of children, you, you, you know, the guy's going down the hallway, if he can't see in or he don't hear anything, he's going to keep moving to where people are. So you don't want him to have any visibility into whatever room you're in. So try to obscure any glass or if you've got a classroom or something like that. Um, this is showing the doors that open outwardly, of course. Uh, here's another setup of some windows. This is designed as setting around, and one of the examples that was used at a school one day when we were teaching this is, you know, this is a chemistry classroom, and is there anything you could find in here that you could use as a weapon? Well, depending on how strong you are, you could throw a desk at someone. Um, but someone brought up a good thing. There's a chemical beak up in there somewhere, and they said, well, I could take that muriatic acid and throw it in their face. Well, that's a great idea. You know, anything that you can do, when it gets to someone firing a weapon, and you're in a closed room, and you have nowhere to run, you have nowhere to hide, you need to cause as much audible distraction and movement and distance between you and the shooter drastically reduces their ability to have any effectiveness. If it's 11 or 12 rounds they've got, and you can do that long enough to expend 11 or 12 rounds by doing jumping jacks and running all around the room and doing whatever you've got to do to be the crazy person that you are when nobody's watching, then you can keep them from being able to shoot you. And that's something you need to, need to do if you have to. Uh, this is a video that... If you watch, you'll see that the whole time they were shooting at Superman, he was standing still. But when they threw something at him, it, it, it caused him to, to dodge and weave. So the same's true if you start throwing church terminals or whatever it is, if you've got nowhere to run or hide and fight back and throw and, and, and come at them with anything you've got. Fight. If neither evacuating the facility nor seeking shelter is possible, Building occupants should attempt to disrupt and or incapacitate the active shooter by throwing objects or causing any type of uh, force and yelling at them that you can do. Be aggressive. Bad guys aren't always that skilled. Interfere with their abilities. And another thing, the bigger, you know, once they see you, they're wanting to move on to the least path of resistance. So once you start causing problems, then, then that just may facilitate them moving on. Hello, I'm Spencer Collier, Secretary of Law Enforcement for the state of Alabama. Across the nation, we have seen an escalation of active shooter incidents in workplaces, schools, and entertainment venues. I encourage you to be prepared and remember to run, hide, or fight should this happen to you. For more information, visit our website at le.alabama.gov. It may feel like just another day at the office, but occasionally, life feels more like an action movie than reality. The authorities are working hard to protect you and to protect our public spaces. Sometimes, bad people do bad things. Their motivations are different. 
The warning signs may vary, but the devastating effects are the same. And unfortunately, you need to be prepared for the worst. If you were ever to find yourself in the middle of an active shooter event, your survival may depend on whether or not you have a plan. The plan doesn't have to be complicated. There are three things you could do that make a difference. Run, hide, fight. First and foremost, if you can get out, do. Always try and escape or evacuate even when others insist on staying. Encourage others to leave with you, but don't let them slow you down with indecision. Remember what's important, you, not your stuff. Leave your belongings behind and try to find a way to get out safely. Trying to get yourself out of harm's way needs to be your number one priority. Once you are out of the line of fire, try to prevent others from walking into the danger zone and call 911. If you can't get out safely, you need to find a place to hide. Act quickly and quietly. Try to secure your hiding place the best you can. Turn out lights, and if possible, remember to lock doors. Silence your ringer and vibration mode on your cell phone. And if you can't find a safe room or closet, try to conceal yourself behind large objects that may protect you. Do your best to remain quiet and calm. As a last resort, if your life is at risk, whether you are alone or working together as a group, fight, act with aggression, improvise weapons, disarm him, and commit to taking the shooter down, no matter what. Try to be aware of your environment. Always have an exit plan. Know that in an incident like this, victims are generally chosen randomly. The event is unpredictable and may evolve quickly. The first responders on the scene are not there to evacuate or tend to the injured. They are well trained and are there to stop the shooter. 
Your actions can make a difference for your safety and survival. Be aware and be prepared. And if you find yourself facing an active shooter, there are three key things you need to remember to survive. Run, hide, fight. Before we get to questions, and this is the end of the program, I'd like to go over a couple of things with you. This right here is a go bag that I was talking about. I've got about $25 in this bag, including the bag. And inside of it, there's a first aid kit. There's a hammer that could knock a window out or nail a door shut or anything that you might need to break something. There's rope. Rope can be used to tie or secure a door. It can be used as a tourniquet. It's got many, many uses that the rope could come in handy about. It's a door stopper. If the door opens inward, you could kick under it. And one of the most, you know, great ideas I've learned over time is, you know, you've got to have a pistol permit to carry a weapon. You can't carry them in schools. Um, pepper spray is sometimes hard to come by. But this is the biggest no license needed ball of raid wash spray that'll shoot about 30 feet, and I promise it'll hurt if you hit some main eyes with it. And, and this could save your life right here. Three or $4 bottle of, of wash spray. And of course, no matter what kind of go bag you're putting together, always have duct tape, because duct tape, you know, it fixes it all. And it might need to be that when you're hiding, you can stick it around the other's mouth so that don't, it could save you. So duct tape's a good thing. And another thing I like to go over in closing is because you know, Alabama's had some gun law changes and now that we're open carry, meaning you can open carry without a permit, if you don't have a permit, then of course, while traveling, you may know that the gun has to be unloaded and out of reach. But I suggest to you that when I go to Walmart, and now you probably see it as well, there's more people open carrying. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a pro Second Amendment person. But if you're a bad guy, or if I'm a bad guy, and I'm standing in line at Walmart, and I'm gonna intend on doing damage, the first guy I'm gonna shoot is the one I see the gun on his side. So concealed carry is so much more tactical and so much more safer because criminals can think. And that's just like when I'm off duty, you know, I don't do like I used to do and, and carry my gun on my side even with my badge on my belt. I just dress like everybody else and I put my gun concealed in the small of my back or on my ankle so that way, it's an element of surprise if needed, and I'm not the target before I have the opportunity to be the element of surprise. So that could really save someone's life. That's something to really consider if you, if you carry a firearm. I'm all about firearms, but just be really tactical in how you handle it and how you display it. Um, that being said, that's really the end of the program. Does anyone have any questions? I certainly appreciate the opportunity from Brother Tom and the others to have come out here and shared with you. And if I can ever help you, if you ever have any questions, I can be found at Rainbow City Police Department and, or Glencoe Hopes Bluff Funeral Home. I'm over there every other weekend. People just dying to see me there, too. So <laughs> if you want to come out, just roll on over. <laughs> but thank you all, and I hope you have a good evening.
couple of real quick things. At, here at North Linco, uh, Richard Johnson is our uh, head of security, and we do have an evacuation plan that we have, have taught in the children's area and, and when, when we have people in the outlying areas. If there were an active shooter that were coming to the building, most likely they're going to come toward the sanctuary because that's where there could be the most damage. And so what we have, our, our plan is, we have exterior doors on the, all the outlying areas that people leave. The children would actually leave the building and go on the other side of the trailers. Uh, we have developed a, a symbol that uh, if an active shooter were to, to come into the building, security would, I, would let uh, the people in the booth know, this symbol will come up on the screen, and we would ask that everybody in this room get down. We have law enforcement and trained individuals who are here who are armed who, just think about this logically, uh, I, I kind of joked that if you look at the way an active shooter would most likely realistically walk into to the room, walk down the aisle and start shooting people, uh, we would probably have more people die from friendly fire than otherwise because there's so many people armed in this church. We don't want that. And so if this symbol comes up on the screen, that means that everybody in this building gets down on the ground. That allows the, the, uh, the people who are, would be at the back of the building to I'd be able to quickly identify who that active shooter is because he would be the only person standing. And so then they could take him out without wounding someone else. So we do have a plan. We're going to continually tweak that and communicate it. We, uh, and, and Richard and our security team are actually going to be going to some training that the state is putting on uh, that's specifically for them here in a few weeks. And, and any updates that occur to our plan, we will pass along to the church. But I just wanted to let you know that we are, are conscious of this risk. Uh, we're conscious of the threat. But also let you know that we fight a defeated enemy. The Bible says that we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power. And so I want you to know that we need to be intelligent, we need to be smart, but we don't have to go through life in fear. That We, 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 we have a plan, we, we know what we have to do to execute that plan, but we live a life where our hands are outstretched in love. And so if you have any questions that you'd like to ask offline, feel free to grab me. Again, Richard Johnson is uh, our uh, chief of security, and so he, he could uh, answer any of those questions as well. Let's close in prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you right now that, that uh, Chief Horton has come and shared this, this very important information that we can use. Lord, I do pray that you would, um, you would protect your flock. And Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, your salvation would go forth. Lord, we pray for revival in this country. Lord, we pray for hearts that are changed. We pray for, for people to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for, for um, just the way that you move. In Jesus' name, amen. Go serve your king.